Welcome to the Immigrant Computer Scientists podcast, where we talk to computer scientists who immigrated from their home countries for study or for work or for other reasons. In these oral history interviews, you will find established and renowned computer scientists from across academia and industry narrating their experiences of immigrating from where they grew up to a completely different land, often the US. My name is Indy Gupta, and I'm your host. Welcome back. This is part two of the conversation among seven Indian technologists, all of whom received their bachelor's in computer science from IIT Madras or IIT Chennai in India in 1998. And then we all immigrated to the US in 1998 for our master's or PhDs and went on to have careers in industry and academia. This episode features a free-ranging discussion on a range of topics, starting from our individual immigrant journeys to everyone's perspectives on the IITs, on India, on technology in general, and on life as Indian immigrants in the US. Surprises abound as we discover new things about each other's backgrounds, and some of us make surprising revelations about how our outlook has changed in the two and a half decades since we came to the US. And some of us divulge surprising plans for our futures. If you haven't already done so, please listen to the part one of this conversation. That's the previous episode, episode 24, for all the six individual stories. The episode guide for all episodes is available on our website, csimmigrant.org. Again, that's csimmigrant.org. My six guests are Balaji Srinivasan, Director of Engineering at SAP Ariba. He received his master's from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. We definitely want to move back at some point of time. Mm. Uh, primarily because of the economics of it. Retiring in India is much easier than retiring here. Praveen Patnala, co-founder and chief architect of stealth mode startup Valtex. He received his master's from UNC. I think if you, if you were to go back, whether you stick to your current role or um, pick something else is completely possible. Rajashekar Krishnamurti, Principal Research Staff Member and Senior Manager, Watson Discovery at IPM. He received his PhD from the University of Wisconsin at Madison. The peer group plays a significant role in shaping any of us. Do we get societal pressure? And how do we take that? I think that's the variable. Ramesh Chandra, software engineer at Databricks. He received his PhD from MIT. So the hardest, harder part for me is, you know, the leaving family there and being here. Shankar Ponekanti, co-founder at startup Trust Lab. He received his PhD from Stanford University. A lot of things are different when you come to a different place, right? So, so all of the things that you've learned. And last but not the least, Sriram Salapa, member of technical staff at Arista Networks. He received his master's from UNC. So just like uh, the tendency to compare is primitive, the tendency to belong is also very primitive. For those of you who listened to part one of this conversation, that's our previous episode, right before this one, I'm going to rewind a little bit and start today's episode 
from the last topic we discussed at the end of part one. Here we go. Uh, so that actually segues to uh, a general question I want to ask everyone, and you know anyone can jump in here. So, uh, 1994, before we all met, uh, before we all got into IIT, uh, we wrote the joint entrance exam, the JE, which is fairly competitive. Even back then, uh, there was about 100,000, 200,000 students who wrote it, and essentially only the the top, the cream, uh, got in. Um, and and all of us are among the topmost ranks in in the country. Uh, here back in 1994, uh, and it hasn't really changed much there. You know, back then we had five IITs, I think, maybe six, depending on uh, how you count. And now there's more, but it's still the entrance exam is is still fairly competitive. Uh, I, I want to ask each of you and anyone who can jump in here: What was the hardest thing in preparing for the IIT JE entrance exam in '94? So I would say the hardest, at least for me, was access to know what to do to prepare. Right. Uh, over the years, I've become very conflicted with the way what JE has stood for, and uh, especially last year when my son went through the high school admission process here. Mm. Right. It's sometimes it's mind-boggling to see that the JE system still remains, uh, in spite of what it claims that it's all merit-based and it's open for all and if you study well and do well in an exam you can get through that is the one-liner in practical at least in that time right it is it was very limited to people who had knowledge of you know how to crack this mm-hmm. and it still continues to be yes in in some way or the other right uh, if you look at an uh, admission process here for example where Kids are evaluated against other kids with similar backgrounds, with similar opportunities, and what they are able to achieve in that space. Mm-hmm. And they are looked at for what they've done through their high school, as opposed to a system where it blindly gives you, this is what you need to know to crack the exam, mm-hmm. which is not often taught in your high school syllabus. Yeah. Right, you are expected to go out and learn it, and master it, and be competitive in it, and have access to exactly what kind of questions are asked before. How do you solve it? You know, these are the end books that you need to read, and so on. It's uh, some way. It is. It's a system that is kind of uh, inherently built to shut out a lot of communities and a lot of people. People with and less was, resources. Right, and this was fairly obvious from our batch as well right so you could see that the ones who got in were from very sim- uh, very similar backgrounds with some exceptions of course uh, small towns kids were shut out ones who had uh, didn't have access to these kind of resources or private coaching were shut out mm-hmm. so i would uh, for me i also had a similar experience like shriram right i was in a small town called velur mm-hmm. where i was till the end of my ninth grade and for and nobody in my family had you know gone to IIT or anything like that. Mm-hmm. For some reason, because I used to do well in class, something the uh, someone had told my parents who had no clue about engineering or anything like that that oh this is a place where you can go and if he does well in the exam he can get in. And the main thing was the cost is low. Yeah. Right. So uh, for for that they they moved to Chennai because of that when I was in. Uh, 10th 
because there there was no way to prepare in that small town yeah. and and as you can see in retrospect not that many families have the uh, uh, ability to do that right and the whole fact that you know came here then found some place where they, there was some coaching latched on to that and did that and finally cracked an exam where which didn't take anything into account as what i did over the last 4 years yeah. 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 right so in some way we were product of a system that was inherently flawed but we kind of made through it waded through it mm-hmm. and uh, i would say that is uh, i'm not too proud of cracking that system and coming into yeah. here would you say that uh, the the nature of the exam has changed quite a bit so you know when we wrote idj it was Uh, there was a little bit of multiple choice but largely it was d- the main exam was descriptive exam descriptive answer get right descriptive a- answers right. now it's largely multiple choice do you think that has made uh, that has leveled the playing field a little bit for some students it has but there are a lot of other things also in in play now right now you can see the same similar argument being made in terms of the medical entrance examination with neat and the uh, all the protests that are going on to uh, about neat implementation right mm. so ideally if there for a level playing field someone who is learning through just their school having their school syllabus yeah. should be able to do it or should should be able to provide material as to why they they would be uh, they should be selected to for this program mm-hmm. right or even if you look at the uk model where they say you know you you do these things you get so many a uh, grades in your a levels then you automatically qualify for this university or you qualify for some other university yeah we need to think of moving in that direction right mm-hmm. rather than have the this arbitrary merit based exam which you may not be able to crack if you are from a different kind of society yeah the access to opportunity and and training certainly comes up even in the case of us exams like sat exactly yeah. that's exactly why you are saying that uh uh sats were not that my my son at some point of time was saying oh this is this is unfair i've done this thing i've cracked sats i've done all this yeah. now why is it now why why the university is not looking at it yeah right yeah. but in the in the bigger point of view yeah. now it is clearly proven that a high score in sat is more correlating to your background and your opportunity right. rather than your uh, mental aptitude itself so i, I was in chennai mm-hmm. right and big city yeah. big city and also uh, tutors were there right and that's definitely an opportunity that plays a significant role in who gets into iit yeah. which i i think is true at every stage in anyone's career mm. right so if you ask me what what was the challenge and what did i learn one challenge was trying to prioritize what you study knowing that you may get it or you may not get it because the iit system is completely different from the school system mm. right so therefore you have to learn how to go on two paths and balancing your time your effort and your energy right in hindsight i, I it was not a challenge then yeah, yeah. but <laughs> thinking about it 10 years later 15 years later even something as simple as when we when we wrote the exam chemistry physics and mathematics were the three subjects yeah and i believe they are equally weighted right? right i as an individual needed to know okay what is my strength 
play to that strength to the maximum and learn the subject where you're weakest right so that you don't really fall too much so those were certain lessons that i learned right while preparing once once the exams are over and we got into iit i think the biggest lesson was learning how to work with peers right was as smart smarter than you right so when you are when you are going from one level to the next level right you try to optimize but then you find out you need to you're in a new level playing field yeah right yeah. and those were some lessons which have helped personally continuously over the career because when you do a masters when you do a phd yeah. when you work right every stage you have to play to your strengths and you also need to understand how to respect others yeah that's beautiful that's i've never thought about it that way my experience has been similar to shiram's right in the sense i come from a a smaller town i'm not in the i'm not i'm not uh, i think shankar is probably in the same boat yeah, as me yeah, yeah. We, uh, we come from the same smaller towns so we wouldn't didn't have access to the coaching centers etc so we had it it uh, and the, we uh, in my town I, i guess before me the one person who went to iit was like maybe 6 years before oh me, wow right? okay so, yeah okay not even family it's like in your town yeah, yeah. so yeah. so we knew that that person went to iit and then, yeah. you know he was kind of uh, yeah. um my the the way i knew about it is my brother tried for it for a few months and then didn't really like pursue it mm. so i kind of knew okay there's something called iit right mm. so figuring out how to prepare for this exam which is you know which uh, i have no clue about um uh, uh was 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 a challenge um but but i uh, but i think it, it it kind of boiled down to using the material which my brother had and then I there see. was one I think for physics there was one teacher in my college who was teaching it so mm. he, he was giving he was uh, mm. he was uh, uh, giving after school classes or whatever for for an hour or so so that mm. that that was what helped me um but it was super hard um yeah. super hard figuring it out when when you don't know like what level what what you need right. to calibrate against right right, right. right. um yeah, yeah so it, it in hindsight it wasn't obvious that 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 uh, i would have i would have gotten through mm-hmm. um, it just so happened that 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 that, that, that i got through mm-hmm. um i know of many friends who would given guidance uh, at least a few of my friends from my my uh, uh, my town would have probably at least gotten through uh, iit in, in at, at some level mm-hmm. uh, but, but they kind of took through halfway through they just Uh, I mean, I think to 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 Shaker's point, right? Like it's uh, about prioritizing. Do I uh, do I optimize for a different uh, engineering entrance exam because yeah. there were different kinds of engineering yeah. entrance exams which are not all the same, which all don't follow the same uh, uh, syllabus or or the same uh, curriculum or same format, and so they they optimized for a different uh, set of uh, engineering exams, and so uh, because. that's what they thought like they had a higher chance of getting in yeah um so, so i think that 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 was the hardest part uh, getting in but i think the the journey of uh, to uh, to shaker's point i guess like the journey helped um uh, we uh, be uh, we, we able to learn how to learn 
Well, in my case, it was similar to Ramesh's experience. Uh, my brother actually had also been to IIT. So mm-hmm. even though I was from a small town and there's not that much kind of awareness or like coaching opportunities within that town, uh, I had the other big advantage that my brother had gone through the same process. And so I kind of knew what to expect uh, in a way. So mm-hmm. I, I always think for him, it must have been hard. But like, <laughs> for me, it was not. And yet, I didn't manage to get, get the same. I mean, he got a better rank than me. So I'm like, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> so for me, it is, uh, you know, it's actually interesting going back in time, like almost, uh, what is it, like 20 years? 27 years. 27 years, right? So uh, I actually come from a family of professionals. My dad was a civil engineer. Mm-hmm. He went to RIC. So he went to, it's called RIT, so Regional Institute of Technology, Jamshedpur. It is basically equivalent of RIC. Now it is called NITs, right? Yeah. So he always knew the value of IIT and he always used to inspire me that, okay, I think when you grow up, if you want to be a doctor, we actually prefer you to be a doctor. They like, they wanted me to be a doctor. So there was a subtle pressure. There was a pressure, but, uh, you know, by the time I was in 10th, I realized my interest was in maths, right? Yeah. Maths and science was my interest. Mm-hmm. I used to like biology, but uh, I said, okay, I'm actually going to be in, a, in a, only in engineering, right? So I made my choice clear and they said, okay, I think because I could not get into IIT, at least you should get into, right? So they inspired me. My brother also was, uh, you know, his one year senior to me academically. He could not get into IIT. He he joined a state uh, engineering college in Bhuvaneshwar. So uh, the uh, minds, mindset was there, although we came from a small town, because we were part of, uh, you know, uh, family where others have cracked uh, similar things. So it is there. And my cousin actually, he grew up in Rorkela. So he always used to inspire me because they're obviously, they're much, you know, he himself could not could not get into IIT. But whenever I would meet him in holidays, he would say, okay, that's what you want to study, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the, the interesting thing is I grew up in a very small town. In fact, I think smaller, smaller than everyone here probably. I mean, <laughs> Today is about 700,000 population, relatively it is big, for yeah. India standard is actually not bad, yeah. uh, you know, 100 plus, but anyway, so uh, every, in my time, every two years or three years, there will be one person who would get into IIT. In fact, my school, there was one guy who who went, who was a top 50 into IIT a long time back, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody I know, five, six years senior to me, he was a J11. So, so at the end of 10th, I had a gap of my summer holidays, right, my break. And I took a computer course. So I actually learned basic. And right in that summer, I decided that, okay, actually, if I want to be an engineer, I actually want to be a computer science uh, engineer, right? So this became like, okay, my goal has to be that I have to go into IIT and actually have to study computer science. Mm. So there was additional pressure to which I put myself because Mm. this this was my aspiration, my goal. And uh, so for that, I had to basically... Reverse engineer, what I have to do to achieve that, right? Okay, yeah. So, so the, you know, I never could, like, Balaji made a very good point about the schooling system here. I think these are great points. I, at my level of maturity, I didn't have to question it. I just accepted it. Mm-hmm. It was fine to me to be from a small school, small town, doesn't matter, right? There are no coaching classes, nothing. So, but there was also no additional pressure. 
it was my goal my ambition that i have to study computer science at an iit which is actually very very hard right yeah. so i took agarwal classes which is actually i mean all of us i think all of us have taken so i think you know all of us have taken so we yeah. know so uh, very early on it was clear that uh, it's very very hard i was very diligent in my coursework with uh, correspondence and i used to get answers which are like okay this is good that is good right and actually st- i used to study very hard by the way i probably used to average like 12 hours a day and only for id because the college you know the education didn't matter but i wasn't sure how where i knew where i stood because calibration was not there right yeah i went for the first agarwal mock exam in vizag which is actually yeah. not in my place yeah. and i thought it was a very, like i did very poorly and i when i when i came back home i told like i didn't even i don't think i'm even going to get 50% of the marks yeah. right turns out it was actually less than 50% but the rank came out to be uh, in the top 100 yeah okay. so that's when i knew okay i think uh, it is hard for not for me for everyone and then as i got closer to the final exams i only got i like i actually only improved further hmm. so so and i was able to crack it right so i give lot of credit to agarwal classes hmm. definitely my parents especially my dad because he inspired me my cousin my brother and my cousin actually he gave me all the books that were needed right without which i don't think yeah. it would have been possible it was agarwal classes books and my own perseverance my own ambition right mm-hmm. so the books were everything like you know resnik aladay irodov uh, sl loni like from math science physics i mean maths physics chemistry everything was there but it was really ultimately comes down to your own will power and i think the fact that i was in a small town i i think it turned out to be an advantage for me that is i never it doesn't didn't matter to me if somebody was better or worse yeah. uh, i didn't have anything to lose Yeah. And I think in the end it was a very good outcome and actually even today I feel like that's my best achievement in my yeah. in my academic career although in another in, in, like exam rookie I actually did even better but it's in the entrance examination right yeah. so 94 was a good year after that I don't think I've ever achieved that much ever in my life by the way <laughs> academically or professionally but I'm very proud of what I achieved during that time so so, so I, mine was exactly the opposite opposite yeah. so when i joined iit i had no idea what the different departments were mm. what to take and i ended up taking computer science because that is what people around me with my <laughs> ranks took yeah. Yeah. and i remember asking our advisor at the first meeting <laughs> saying what is what is different from what iit teaches and what niit teaches niit was a, another institute that used to teach programming so that was my level of knowledge about computer science yeah. So, so we accidentally landed in this field only because of what our ranks were. Yeah. I think a lot of us, right? I mean, because we we barely learned. I don't know how many of you learned any programming in school or had any exposure to computer science. But it's it's not anything like the kids nowadays do. I think they get a little bit more exposure. So we had very little knowledge of what computer science was back then. So it was predominantly based on um, ranks. I guess that's that's the main thing, and then maybe a little bit of advice here and there. But that was surprising because even in a, even in a small town where the access to IIT, uh, you know, coaching was not there. My school actually had a computer lab, and so I was fortunate to okay, yeah. even uh, learn. I think I was learning C when I was in like ninth grade or something oh, on my yeah. own. This was there was no school yeah. computer science subject yeah. or anything. Yeah, yeah. So that was one thing that uh, I think by that time probably there was some proliferation of uh, computer science in in. Yeah. Uh, in schools back then a couple of points for me um, 
I was interested in computer science. Okay. That's why I, I, I did yeah. not enter computer. That's right. Yeah, Ramesh has a very interesting story. So Ramesh yeah. entered in a different major, and then, uh, based on I think the first year performance, you petitioned to move to computer science. So tell us a little bit about about that. I, mean, I I was interested in computer science because in 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 school I was uh, doing some out of my own interest. I was doing some psych classes for in my mm. in my eleventh and twelfth. Mm. So I was interested in like you know, learning more. I guess at that time I was thinking I'll write assembly language programs mm -hmm. because they were teaching me higher level, I don't know, mm -hmm. basic and whatever. I'll, I'll actually write like assembly language programs, right? Yeah. And then, uh, but it turned out that I, would, I, I, didn't, I didn't write like as many assembly language programs. But that's the reason I kind of asked my brother to kind of go for computer science and I kind of came to computer science and in IIT. I see. Yeah. So, so another thing which I think uh, Praveen points out, which I don't, I don't know how much of an influence this would be, First, he brought up an interesting point about small town. If you are from a small town, you might not have as much pressure as if you mm -hmm. as, as much as as you would yeah. have if you yeah. were in these coaching classes in cities. This maybe there's something to be said for that. That 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 might like you know help you if you are motivated. Help you to kind of like you know work by yourself. And no, I agree. That's, a, agree. that's the same thing here. I mean, kid, I see kids here in Bay Area under, yeah. are under tremendous pressure compared to yeah. even Asian kids in outside the Bay Area. I want to pick up on that. So I think mm -hmm. the tendency to compare myself to someone else, that's a human tendency. I want to ask what your approach has been to just that tendency. I've heard some of you say, well, you know, when I was preparing for IDJ, I really didn't have anyone to compare against, and that was a good thing. And then I've heard other people say elsewhere that it was good to have a calibration, something to calibrate against. But what's your your philosophy? You know, and this, you know, you could talk about your IDJ preparation time or your current time. I just want to hear your philosophy about comparing yourself to others, whether it's a good thing or bad thing, whether you do it or not. So, starting with JE, preparation for that, right? I didn't feel any pressure. I think mostly because I was in a group of people where we weren't actively comparing each other, mm. but just similar goals, similar mindset, right? Everyone, I think everyone around him felt the pressure to come. <laughs> 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 <That's right. laughs> so, so... It's something where being in the right group, right? It's no different than when you're working, multiple folks here said, oh, the team and the people matter, right? So the, the, the peer group plays a significant role in shaping any of us. Do we get societal pressure? And how do we take that? I think that's the variable, right? Which, especially during... Education becomes even more challenging, right? Whether it be in our days or even today here, right? And and this is, uh, along with opportunity comes the double-edged sword of restrictions, right? If, if everyone in a particular area has opportunities, then suddenly they all can't go to the same destination because whether we like it or not, no university in this world is going to say, I'm going to take everyone who look alike, right? Because that's bad for the university, yeah. the group who come in, yeah. because you need diversity, right? Yeah. So therefore, being judicious in terms of what you want to do and how you look at your peers, right? I think was the best thing that happened, right? Coincidentally, but 
it's helped me throughout my life so i think uh, if you are ambitious right then you want and it comes it needs to come from your heart by the way like as a see, there are different aspects to this right like when i uh, talk to my son right he's uh, in 6th grade right mm-hmm. sometimes i end up comparing with my other friends kids or let's say you know i know balaji's kids you know like for example he has invested a lot of time in his son and he's he's doing very well right i tend to do that when i compare but i also become careful about not to overdo it not to not put undue pressure on him right but i think ultimately it, it should come from the person's uh, uh, you know it should come from the heart itself the person am i ambitious enough right and if you are ambitious if you want to achieve something right you actually want to be the best how do you become the best you have to have a way to you have to have a way to compare yourself so this is where it's a it's a you know thin line between by comparing someone with you know with something you know you may put undue pressure and that can result in you know uh you know like a behavioral change in the person they may get demotivated etc but if if you decide that like, i actually want to be something right you have to be able to achieve that goal right and the only way to do that is you have to go to the top right and whatever whatever that is whether it is education whether it is sports or something right mm-hmm. there is a rank and you have to climb that ladder mm-hmm. so my only point here is uh i think uh, you know at the you know especially for uh, you know let's say t- children right when they want to go to that that age where they need to appear at competitive exams and all yeah. if they become mature enough they know what are the pros and cons and yeah. you know why they are doing it let it come from themselves like i think hopefully they will be mature enough to get that we as in this particular you know point of view as parents right we should not put undue pressure but guide them into the guide the children into identifying that um, uh, that idea right that if you want to do well then i have to be able to uh you know uh, be better than others mm-hmm. that's the reality you know and whatever field you choose to do that's okay mm-hmm. in my case it was a different thing it was a you know it was a way back in time and i chose to become the top right i wanted to be at the top so uh the fact that nobody was around me didn't really matter to me i just wanted to achieve that goal right it doesn't matter i didn't have to compare anybody with myself uh, around me right i knew that i was competing with the rest of india right so i had to just get to the top and i i worked on it but not it may not happen for everyone so uh, i think ultimately it is up to the person to identify what they want to do and uh, this is uh, this is a tricky thing because especially in bay area i i mean i used to hear a lot of you know high school kids used to commit suicides in calcutta yeah. this will be i don't know if people know that or not and i was like that's very very shocking that should not happen and that happens because of i think parental pressure that should never happen I mean one thing I'm hearing one theme I'm hearing here is um comparing oneself to others is a good motivating driving factor but I I guess I'm also hearing that it's important not to worry about the results of the comparison in a sense right not to care about that I have a couple of things I've yeah. learned not that I implement them but yeah. <laughs> um oh there isn't like I'll do I'll take a comparison with uh Uh, or take an analogy with how i think companies should do competition right mm. so um one first point is there is no in in most areas except for um sports yeah. where there'll not there's no one winner 
Yeah. Right. There's a space for like enough number of people with different dimensions and like they can shine in different dimensions. Right. So even if you have a, even if you are like, in a, if you, let's say you're in a company yeah. you're, and you want to like make a company successful, you don't need, you, you're not looking for people with one skill set. Right. And so you can be like great in one skill set or you can be great in another skill set. Right. And that's fine. Or you can be great in a, in a, in a, in a, in a multitude of skills and that's fine. But the, the, the thing is whether you're provide, you're able to like, improve yourself on a on on a, on an ongoing basis in whatever way you want to improve right and that's something which is impo- important so let's say i want to like you know be i find that my values in like you know making companies successful or whatever i'll find like some space in some area in which which is valuable for companies and i'll continuously improve that so that's so and and um so that's a, that's one point right like is that there is no single dimension there's no one winner and okay. so you have to you can have you know, multiple winners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and same way, like, you know, as companies, you know, generally shouldn't, uh, the best companies I've seen don't think of themselves. I mean, they want to kind of get to the top, but they also know that there is space for multiple player people in the, in the market, right? It's not just one winner. And then yeah. that gives them this, the, the, the uh, ability to um, look at adjacencies yeah. because otherwise they're going to be like, you no know, narrow force, right? They'll, they'll have a, like a tunnel vision. Yeah. So that's one aspect. Yeah. And the second aspect is when people are looking at comparison, what I've what I've found fruitful, and this is like experience. This is I wish I had this ability, but what I've seen from other people who actually uh, go on this journey of self improvement is they're looking at what they can learn from other people. Mm-hmm. They compare because yeah. I want to become like this person. Yeah. What do what can I learn? Like what is that person doing that I, I, I I'm not, I'm not doing yeah. that I can learn from them. And this I've like seen also in how people, how, how the the best people who run companies, um, they're look, not looking at the competitors in, in, so the sales folks in the companies typically tend to look at competitors as if like they are, you know, their enemies to be like, you know, demolished. Mm-hmm. But the, the better leadership I've seen look at company uh, competitors as a way of learning from them and mm-hmm. shortcutting their process for getting to the, to, 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 to the, uh, you know, areas they want to improve in. So that I think those are two key two points I've like learned which apply not just to personal development but also in 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 in, in like you know bringing building organizations is yeah. not there is no one winner so yeah. you there is space for multiple people to kind of grow and to be their best multiple organizations to be their best and second look the, the good ways of using comparison is use comparison as a way of like learning from the other other organization or person to see where you can improve. And, and learn how they do it so that you can actually improve on that. Yeah. That's, that's very beautifully put. Yeah, got it. So one other thing here is uh, um, it also derives from where we are as a generation, right? So in our generation, we also had this additional pressure that we needed to find a stable line of work. We needed to support our families, mm-hmm. things like that, which is largely gone from the current generation. Mm-hmm. Right? So they they are not going into a college or line of work thinking, okay, I need to support my parents in 10 years. Uh, The other thing here is the opportunity also, right? So in any situation where you want to be in the top, it's getting increasingly difficult to do it without basically sacrificing everything else. Mm -hmm. So in our time, as Praveen said, he needed to study 12 hours a day to get in here, right? So if you take an example of you want to be a top in tennis, 
or chess, for example. You cannot do that as a side hustle, yeah. doing all your school. You can get to some level, but you cannot get to the top. Mm. If you look at any career of an Olympic swimmer here, yeah. to get to that level, they basically, not just the kids, the whole family, the whole ecosystem, they have to build around that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it is questionable as to whether you need to do that or not. Right. So, for example, my son was playing competitive chess and we used to see you know, kids from here who do chess on the side, they also learn, go to school, do all those things. Then they go to the uh, youth championships and then get it, they get walloped by the Indian kids who yeah. just do that 24 by 7. Yeah. Right. So, it, I would say a decision needs to be made as to whether doing that is very critical for you, for you, right? It is not just a matter of reaching the, the top for the sake of doing it because it there are so many casualties on the way also, right? So, for example, if you want to be a top CEO, right? Your family suffers, your time with kids suffers, yeah. your, uh, your contribution to the community suffers. There's a lot of other things there. Similarly, if, if you want to groom your kid to be you know, a top tennis player, right? You pretty much have to, you know, move to Florida, do one of these things, you know, sacrifice everything and be there for them, you know, for them to achieve that level. Yeah. So it is not for everyone. One thing I was going to say is that you mentioned the point that it's natural tendency. I definitely want to second that because yeah. as the father of a one-year-old <laughs> <laughs> and a six-year-old, right? Uh, it's amazing. Like this is so inbuilt to us, right? Like the... Yeah. Like, anytime I give anything to my six-year-old, like, even if my one-year-old is another room, <laughs> not in, like, not in uh, visual sight, uh, he figures out that something has been given to, <laughs> to the elder brother. I need to go and get it, right? Yeah, so, yeah. same the other way around. And uh, so, yeah, it is, it's a built-in thing. It's a very natural thing. Um, but it's not the only thing. There's lots of other natural tendencies we have as human beings um, that probably help shape shape us the way um, and in many cases like they helped us right I mean uh, yeah. like for example kids learn a lot of things by comparing themselves to others kind of trying to do the same thing um, mm -hmm. yeah. so yeah nothing bad about that I think uh, but with all of these tendencies I think Balaji's uh, to Balaji's point right I mean you have to uh, at the end of the day like whatever is your goal I mean like if your goal is to be happy for some definition of happy, right? Uh, then you need to see whether those things are helping you or getting in the way. Right? Yeah. And, and based on that, you have to change. Yeah, if I may add one more thing, yeah. So just like uh, the tendency to compare is primitive, the tendency to belong is also very primitive. Mm. We all like, you know, uh, if, like if like after coming here, like for the, after coming to US, the first time I met my college friends again, I that that the joy that comes, right? That, oh, now I belong in a, in a community. Or uh, you know, group uh, that is also very, uh, very you know, very real. So, so we have this tension between being able to belong, but yet being able to, being wanting to differentiate and and uh, you know, staying one inch above the the crowd. <laughs> so, uh, so that's the tension. So, how do we reconcile this, right? So, uh, what I've done is, we want we have this tendency to belong. So, I think doing the right thing to be in a place that is most conducive for us, meaning being in a company where there is like, you know, good culture, less, uh, less of uh, all politics and all of that stuff. 
doing uh, innovative work where there are people who are equally smart and yeah. you know challenging yeah. uh, and yet uh, so this competition is also there but we and that's instinctive right so there's not a conscious effort right? it just happens automatically so there what i found is uh, attaching to a higher goal like in 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 industry parlance finding out what is the real objective right so if we all I, I, you know, identify ourselves with a larger goal. Okay, we, we are here to, you know, to build a better company, better build a better, better product. Let's do what is complementary, right? So there are different things that needs to be done. So, so even though when I started the career title and all of that had meaning, over time they actually have waned, mm. right? So now what matters is the actual net-net effect that I have in the company or to the team or or uh, whoever I interact with, right? It doesn't matter at the end of the day uh, what uh, what the, what what the title is or what uh, you know, how much uh, how much successful the product is, right? Whether it's really solving problems yeah. for people, that's what matters. So uh, so that's what so getting uh, a more broader perspective has helped me solve. Like raise above these challenges and sort of apply these uh, these sort of uh, negative aspects in a positive way. You're listening to the Immigrant Computer Scientists podcast. This is part two of the conversation with six Indian technologists in the U.S., all of them IIT Chennai graduates from 1998. Your mention of the tension between belonging and differentiating uh, is a great segue to the next segment, which is, I want to ask, so when we all came to the U.S. in 1998, around the same time, maybe even in the same month of August uh, for, for grad school, what was the hardest thing and what was the easiest thing to adapt to in moving from India to the U.S.? Because you don't belong here. You belong, you're seeing a completely different environment, completely different people here. For me, it was, I was homesick. When I came to U.S., <laughs> I was the, like the only person, like I, I didn't have any relatives here. Yeah. Uh, it was fortunate uh, I went to IIT because, you know, we had uh, Praveen and me <laughs> were in the same flight. <laughs> Uh, or maybe uh, actually it was another person, Ranjit. Uh, I think he came yeah. in, uh, in uh, the next day. But we stayed together. We were uh, roommates, yeah. and so that helped. Uh, coming into a new country, new place, yeah. with friends, uh, that was uh, really supportive. Yeah. But uh, that was the primary. I mean, technically, we we were trained. Right? We knew all the fundamentals. So of course, we we didn't know uh, everything in the world. But then we were trained to be to persevere through challenges. Uh, to learn about that, but I think that support, that uh, that social support, that, that was the missing part. But unfortunately, having coming from IIT, friends sort of made up for that. But yeah, but the family support was what I missed. Yeah, I think one for me, like the it's still true today. Actually, is is one thing that it cost me. I think both in a good way and bad way. Uh, to question like what is my place in in the kind of world and why mm. am I here and kind of because. Mm. Uh, a lot of things are different when you come to a different 
place, right? So, so all of the things that you learned, not all of them, but like killing people is still a bad thing here yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 back home. But but there are many things that are done differently, right? So it causes you to question like... Uh, the value system is yeah. slightly different here. Exactly, right? So it causes you to question things, which can be good because then you're not tied to like something that's for no good reason, right? So you, yeah. you, you're forced to think about yeah. your beliefs and okay here you see okay somebody else is doing things differently you are forced to think about that and say well, does it still make sense for me to do that or, mm-hmm. or like that's just something I happened to pick up at growing up and, and uh, now I no longer want to hold on to that right mm-hmm. so in the sense it's good because it, it makes you question things and, and, and then rethink really uh, uh, everything right I mean, your values habits beliefs everything um, so that part is good but it can also cause a little bit of an identity crisis, right? In terms of mm-hmm. uh, now you have to somehow reconcile everything and give a new meaning to your own life and, and kind of set some new goals or, or maybe continue on or reason with yourself that the old goals for the right goals, right? So I think uh, uh, a lot of people will probably go through these types of things even if they stayed in the same country at some point, right? Because when you go through life changes, probably there are times where you will go through those crisis moments where you will probably question a lot of things. Yeah. But uh, when an event like this happens where you move from one country to another, then uh, then definitely forces that on you. Mm. So I think there's, there's good from it ultimately, yeah. but it, it can make you question a lot of things and go through some a crisis moment. Yeah. So the introspection can actually help reshape your value system. Yeah. So I would say for me the hardest thing is over the years to accept the the inherent privilege that we've had. Mm. Um, we've always been trained to think of ourselves as middle class, lower middle class. You know, that is what our background was. Yeah. And of course over the years we've, we've become, you know, whether we like it or not, we are in the top 10% or 5% of the society here just based on our net worth or our income and so on. So at every point of time, we would, uh, have to keep my, you know, uh, complaints at check or think of my privilege as uh, what to say uh, to not get it and get in the way of thinking. Very very simple thing is to, you know, I was playing. Uh, bridge with a bunch of other IITs. Mm-hmm. So everybody, almost everybody was, you know, vocally complaining about you know, the rising taxes. And, oh, if the Democrats come to power, you know, they are all going to raise our taxes. And I was saying, if if my taxes is going to pay for someone's uh, uh, kidney issue or dialysis, you know, once a week, I'll be glad to do that. You know, I'm not very rich by what I think, but inherently in the society, we are rich. Right. So mm-hmm. that privilege where we need to take a step back and say, you know, all, all said and done, we are kind of the cream and we are not the lower middle class people that we were back home. Mm-hmm. Right. So that is that reconciliation. I think we need to do mm-hmm. every now and then. Would you say that um, that introspection of yours, did you always have these thoughts even when you were in high school in India or would you no, say? absolutely not. Yeah. So your, your moving here made yeah. you reevaluate your value system. Right. So 
my first four years in madison yeah. right gave me a lot of things to learn okay mm. so i may okay there's no official record but i may have the record for the most number of rejections mm. before the first paper got accepted okay mm. i think i got seven or eight rejections mm. for the first paper got accepted right these are all rejections of the same paper or different papers different papers, different papers. right and and my advisor used to joke and say okay you have all the papers written you just don't know how to write it all the ideas are there right? so so for someone who had the as balaji was saying family schools everything where you you have small missteps never major challenges yeah. right going through an introspection of okay what it means to continuously rethink what you want from your career and your life right that was the biggest challenge right us again fortunate enough to have the right advisor the right environment right family support right and friends here right which allowed me to in those four years better articulate myself so that in the next two years all those papers got published but more importantly just the fact that okay each of us we start our journeys in different places but as our careers go we need to understand what we want like just take set of people who study together right if you look at our larger set right each of them have been happy successful in their own way mm-hmm. if you look at each other and say on a particular dimension are we the best no mm-hmm. right because each of us took a different dimension or set of dimensions right so that adaptation yeah is something which when we were studying it was except for a few people like praveen said right it was non existent until you went to college you just did what you usually what everyone else did mm-hmm. and then you started thinking about that when you started working or when you were in college mm-hmm. thing now it's become significantly more open right mm-hmm. where there's more choice there's more choice even in elementary school yeah kids get exposed to certain things where they start thinking about what they like what they dislike yeah and it is not questioned yeah right so think that's been a big improvement mm-hmm. right and how kids today are growing right yeah yeah i mean when we applied uh, to grad school um, i heard the term herd mentality used because our seniors are all applying so we applied uh, that's certainly true in my case to a large extent and then fast forward just like you know 10 years after that and i was talking to some of the graduates from IIT Madras Computer Science and Engineering and very few of them even applied to grad school forget coming here they didn't even apply they didn't even consider it so there's a vast change in just a few years so the choice that you were talking about is it certainly changed quite a bit in india for sure others i'd like to hear from others who haven't spoken about the hardest thing to adapt to after coming to the us praveen you look like you want to say something it's not about uh, the hardest thing to adapt actually mm-hmm. something that i was thinking what is the fundamental difference yeah. that we see here versus Uh, where we grew up like india right mm-hmm. uh, by the way even today i am an indian citizen i have still not given up ah. indian citizenship <laughs> by the way so i never had a strong reason to give it up and i still keep it so you are here to take up our jobs <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is even today when i feel what is the fundamental difference is uh, you know personally actually like sriram said right when we came here the good thing was most of us i think i would say when we are going to grad school we are lucky that we are around with uh, people we already knew uh, at least in our cases i think many of our cases so the homesick part was little 
less of a concern because at least I was around people whom I already knew and we made new friends, right? So I didn't feel any any of that, okay, honestly. But I think the difference that I see, where I, I saw the first time I landed and also even today, right, is actually the class difference in people. That is, I think the idea that here, like, you know, the you have a bus driver, a janitor, a, you know, a restaurant waiter, uh, you know, like a, anybody, right? I don't think the you know there is a, there is still there is a strong amount of respect among people irrespective of what their professions are or you know or the or or their financial everyone uh, values work everyone no values work, work everyone yeah. values people uh, there is no looking upon yeah. it's possible they have it in their minds that's okay you can't yeah. change that but it's it is not that apparent to me okay mm-hmm. i mean there is a there is a, there is dignity to work there is everyone is you know there is respect for people's what professions respect for people i think today even today uh, for especially for a developing country for india right i don't think that is true right mm-hmm. so i've been here for let's say 20 20 plus years right i've also spent a lot of time in india like i used to go back um, you know not only for vacation but also i would work you know like in cisco offices and other companies yeah. right yeah. so i've stayed maybe you know 6 to i would say about a year in the last 20 years i would have actually stayed in india right mm. and you can see the difference between the haves and have nots and i don't see that changing right so you know how you deal with um, a auto driver how you deal with a yeah. bus driver how you deal with a janitor is very very fundamentally very different yeah. that has not changed i don't think it's ever it's going to take a long time for that, that to change mm-hmm. so it is just an observation i am not saying yeah. anything yeah. i'm not uh, but i feel like even today that is a that is a fundamental difference yeah. and i don't think it is easy to change it's it'll take a long time for india to catch up in terms of uh, forget income equality but like a, a good standard of living for everyone yeah. i think we are 30 years or 40 years yeah. uh, away from that, I think yeah. I would say. So the standard of living is one thing, but what you're talking about is uh, respect, uh, respect equality, right? Yes. No, the work matters and in India that uh, you feel like that is still not true. Still we not kind true. Of look, people look down upon certain professions, others based on what they're doing. By the appearance, so the uh, what your income level uh shows up in your appearance your uh, uh, you know clothing your uh, uh, conversations your you know like personality right yeah. and i hope someday in our lives at least that will change yeah. that that's what i and again i'm just making an observation nothing yeah. uh, i'm just stating a fact yeah. and in a sense some of that does bleed into the us system here as well there have been uh, you know, cases in the past where the caste system has appeared in Silicon Valley, and there was there's been at least one court case on that. Do, do you think that is uh, that is uh, that is just an outlier? The the fact that the the caste system still seems to make its appearance in the U.S. workplace among among Indians. So I've had a lot of conversations on this, and my take ultimately is this: right, I have not seen it here, mm. but I may be blind because of my bias, right. So I am willing to take the people who have experienced it at their face value. That is pretty much yeah. okay. what I can say. I think people relate to people similar to themselves. Yeah. Right? The and sense of belonging, yes. Sense of belonging, right. And even comfort level in terms of understanding and evaluating others. Right? And so therefore, there will always be some implicit bias in terms of how 
people work with others, who they employ, and so on. Mm. It's also reflecting itself in how people communicate, right? Mm. Right. For example, people in the U.S. versus people in Europe. Yeah. How they write their resumes. Oh yeah. How they claim. So yeah. these are all things only only when told do we understand yeah. subtleties there, yeah. right? So there's a lot of implicit bias, right? And yes. There have been a few cases here, yeah. right, around caste system coming in and so on, yeah. right? So uh, it's something that should be top in all of our minds, right? And, and the balance between how do you avoid implicit bias while at the same time not overcorrecting is going to be a constant dynamic, right? For, for example, for us in India, right, that history is thousands of years, yeah. while the country here itself is much younger, Right, so therefore, uh, a lot of the changes and the challenges that India has faced, right, has been correcting for something over thousands of years, right. And when 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 you do something for thousands of years, a few generations may have to suffer on the other side, mm. right. While when you are trying to correct for something over three hundred, four hundred years, there is a possibility of correcting faster, mm. but it's going to be a moving game. Mm. Would the rest of you say that the caste system among Indians in the U.S. in tech companies is those incidents are just outliers or are, are they more prevalent than than we think? I personally haven't haven't uh, seen it again. But to Balaji's point, I might be blind, right? Yeah, um, yeah I, I haven't uh, at least in my immediate circle. But I have worked only in like two three companies, right? Yeah. So I, I haven't seen it. But I've seen clicks where people. Yeah. Have uh, you know? They, 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 there are cliques which get together, and people are like you no know, work together, and you know, yeah. they, 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 they help each other more than they help other cliques. Yeah. But those cliques don't seem to be uh, segmented by something like caste. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, I couldn't. I couldn't. They, they're segmented by their background, whether they knew each other from before, mm. etc. Right. Mm. Uh, whether they went to the same school sometimes. Mm. Right, uh, but not, but not really based on caste. I, I yeah. couldn't, I couldn't figure, I couldn't yeah. find that. Yeah. But yeah. It, it, it's possible that it happens yeah. elsewhere. Yeah, it's the environment, right? So I think here the opportunity for that. Even though, uh, like Rajeshwar <laughs> said, we all have unconscious bias. It's, I mean, we humans operate that way. And uh, even here, like you know, it's not too many years ago, like you know, blacks weren't treated. The same as white, right? Yeah. Women couldn't vote. Uh, like people many hundred years back here, slavery was prevalent here. Yeah. Even Thomas Jefferson, who was the founder of this uh, nation, he owned several slaves. Yeah. So yeah, that is to say that this is how humans are. So it wouldn't be surprising that uh, people have biases, but the environment here is uh, sort of normalizes that, or the opportunity for those biases to manifest. Is much much uh, yeah. less. So I, um, in terms of caste specifically, honestly, I have never come across. I don't. I don't even know how you. I mean, uh, for that opportunity to exist, right? I don't think we can even make out who is what, right? So yeah. I, I, I. Don't so people don't discuss it as well. They don't discuss openly. Plus, uh, you don't. At least, uh, you know, you don't even know, right? I mean, so my, my point is. I have never come across that, mm-hmm. but one thing that I it got me thinking, right? Caste is only one aspect of yeah. uh, attribute, right? So, what is the equivalent, uh, you know, let's say in the US? Okay, so you have race, right? Race, yeah. 
or you have a gender okay yeah. so i think gender more or less it's it's actually interesting to see at least asian immigrants definitely the it's much more uh, uh, common to see indian women or chinese allegation women to be in tech it's very common i don't see that much among caucasians right? i don't i see less of that right it just it happens to me but one thing i was thinking in the last 20 years i have interviewed like at least 300 or 400 candidates right i don't recall even interviewing one african american uh, yeah. candidate yeah. and i can't explain that i actually i'm unable to explain why that has not happened yeah so is it that the you know uh, they're not able to appear as a candidate in our uh, filtering system through whatever mechanism we have or is it that uh, they don't choose to join technology as a field i mean obviously i'm only interviewing primarily for software engineering right. software engineer jobs right, right. so i'm actually very very surprised uh, yeah. with that uh, observation every other race obviously uh, you know i have interviewed to race gender yeah. but african american for some reason i have never uh, interviewed anybody to yeah certainly the fraction of um, blacks hispanics and native americans we have in stem in general but certainly in software engineering and computer science is very very low much lower than their representation in the general populace no i think the the pendulum has started no uh, swinging in the other direction for sure uh, right from college admissions to actively looking at candidates with a diversity point of view mm-hmm. right so it is it is bound to change in the future so you are hopeful yeah. This is part 2 of the conversation with six Indian technologists in the US all of them IIT Madras or Chennai graduates from 1998 you are listening to the immigrant computer scientists podcast I want to ask my last kind of open ended question um of of something that Praveen said earlier which is uh, he mentioned earlier that he's still an Indian citizen um some of our batchmates have after spending many years in the US gone back to India and you know have had successful careers there is that something that for each of you that you thought of or are thinking of or no nah, that's not something that's on the cards ever we definitely want to move back at some point of time hmm. uh, primarily because of the economics of it retiring hmm. in india is much easier than retiring here hmm. and as i said i've become very cynical of the system here yeah so i want to get out of the this rat race as soon as possible mm. and you feel yeah. the situation in india is better no not going back and into the rat race there mm. but at the retirement point as yeah never yeah. uh, this topic came up when all my friends were here i didn't have any reason to go back right so i had a career here and then uh, family uh, you know my kids are now growing up here so certainly this is where i belong right now but if certainly i don't see myself belonging here in let's say 20 years from now because let's say my kids have grown up they've gone and probably i'm not working here like you know what role do i have to play here like if i'm not contributing uh, whether i mean to biology's point yeah it's economics that is one factor but even let's say i, I can econ- economically afford it do i belong here do i do I, can i make a contribution so i feel like i owe a lot to india i mean like all that i mean even like you know even coming from a middle class or lower middle class 
I still looking back, I like you know, I still feel I was privileged. Now I the the I made it all the way here because of all the opportunity I got, mm. right? So the education, free education, almost. I mean, <laughs> we I hardly compared to how much I paid <laughs> throughout my life in India compared to what I'm spending on my kids is like mm-hmm. no comparison, yeah. right? So I feel like I owe a lot to India. So. Um, so whenever there is an opportunity to go back and do something, yeah, I, I do. I'm very interested in that. Yeah. I agree with the point that we are all privileged. I guess Balaji and Shram made those points, but yeah, we are all privileged. Um, yeah, I have thought about going back uh, at some point, but uh, that it always seemed. So the hardest, harder part for me is you know the leaving family there and being here. Right, you mm-hmm. have to always like think about is that worth it. You know, yeah. family being like parents, yeah. right? Primarily because yeah. I guess um, they spent a lot of their time bringing us up, right? And now they don't get a chance yeah. to spend the time, yeah. right? So, um, but I, I guess like the thing is, a couple of times when I was thinking about that, um, when talking to friends back and who gone back home and tried to assess like what the opportunities there look like, it didn't seem that uh, someone with my profile would be mm. able to uh, have good opportunities there. Mm. Maybe that will change in the future. Maybe that will be like, you know, um, that, yeah, maybe that will change in the future enough for me to kind of go back. Um, yeah, so that's a, yeah. I, I, as recently as like four years ago, I was thinking about this. But, yeah. but yeah. at that time when I talked to friends there, they said like, you know, it's yeah. probably not great. But on the flip side, that is also one of the things that we've been brought up with, right? So we've we've always been brought up with this mentality of you graduate out, you have a career for the next 30, 40 years and you retire. That needn't be the case. Right? So in fact, especially for kids growing up now where their life expectancy is expected to be around 100, they needn't have one career. They needn't have one thing that they do. Right, and they can do multiple things at various points of life, and we can do the same too. Yeah. Right, so with respect to Ramesh's point, you needn't go back and have the same career profile that you're doing here. Right, like I definitely would love to go back and be a full-time teacher, yeah. or you know, learn music or do something else. Yeah. Uh, my wife love, would love to have a farmland and yeah. grow something there. Yeah. So those are those are the things that we need to start thinking about. You, we don't need to, you know, think of us as having this exact same engineering career till we are like 65 and then retire and then play tennis in some back alley somewhere. Right? <laughs> that needn't be the case. So when you said right. retirement earlier, you didn't mean retire. You mean like yeah, yeah. do something new, do something, yeah, like do a something completely new. different line of work. Correct. Yeah. There is no real retirement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it needn't be, right? So, yeah. in fact... Uh, this the system here is game towards keeping you running on the same way till you are 70 and all you do is pay mortgage and satisfy various uh, liabilities till you're that and then you save enough for the rest of your life that needn't be the case right i mean you can you can do something earlier and you can always Switch, but of course it needs a mentality change, right? You need to start from scratch. Uh, 
couple of years back, uh, one of our batchmates actually retired. Retired as in he uh, he was in uh, he was in a prestigious tech company, and he said he and he started learning music, started doing high higher level math that he always wanted to do, and now he he is trying out some side gig as uh, of teaching um, instructor things like that. So it allows you to do that, and we can do it you know, given what we've achieved over the last. 20 years but it requires a mindset change and a lifestyle change as well uh, as i said i actually have worked in india actually yeah. in some of these uh, roles so uh, in our space i think the work culture and knowledge quite similar i would say i don't think the fundamentally they are very different right mm. so personally i think we all assume that we can make a decision decision and we can just move back it's not that simple i think mm. it's a you know it's not like we are alone like bachelors and we can just yeah. move back right after retirement so i can't say i can move back or not because of other mm-hmm. dynamics uh, but uh, i think if you if you were to go back whether you stick to your current role or um, pick something else is completely possible i think it's completely possible and in fact all of us should actually you know uh, there are a lot of examples. Um, our own peers have done that. Yeah. Some of people we know, they are running companies out there um, yeah. who have come here, worked here, moved back. So it is nothing new. And there is another person whom we all know, by the way, like this is a guy called Zoho, um, company called Zoho. Um, he's IIT, our senior, like, you know, about 10 years senior. His name yeah. is Sridhar Vimbo. He has gone ahead and built a company called Zoho. He's a, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 people company, right? Yeah. He and he himself actually lives in a village in Tamil Nadu, right? Mm-hmm. He has he he has shown an example that you can actually build something really big, uh, even with your headquarters being in somewhere in Tamil Nadu in a, in a village. Mm-hmm. So everything is doable. I don't I, I don't think it is a, the lack of possibilities. Whether you can do it, whether you have the willpower to do. Personally, if I could go back, I would go back anytime. For me, it's been something where I've liked what I'm doing here, mm-hmm. and. Once you get into a zone where, as Praveen was saying, right, it's also, okay, kids, kids go to school. At a certain point in time, there's going to be a balance here as to how much do you want to uproot yeah. the entire family, right? Because of those trade-offs, not considered it recently, but maybe it will change. Never say never. Yeah. So the question I have is, is there, if there is one thing you could change that you did, which you thought was right at that time, but now in hindsight, you look back at it and you think, eh, maybe I should have done it very differently and that my life would have been very, very different. What is that? Uh, you can either answer that question or you can talk about anything else that you wanted to talk about that we didn't <laughs> cover. So it's, you can go either way. Over a period of time, we've, as a community, we've been extremely passive in responding to things around us, right? Uh, whether whether it is Black Lives Matter, Occupy Wall Street, mm-hmm. any of the social causes, any of the things that you could also make a change internally, right? Only now we are seeing 
some amount of activism from employees within companies yeah. you know actually rising up to tackle their uh, masters that is something if going back would really like to see uh, would have changed right? there's one thing i would redo right do different yeah. way right it's go back 15 years and start spending more time working with kids with others and teaching them because you learn a lot while teaching others right so mm. over the last 15 20 years i've spent a lot of time just with my peers with people in my mm. group in my company who i collaborate with that's a certain level but what i missed is working with a broader spectrum of people right whether it's giving back to society whether it's multiple ways in which right yeah. as a practical example my son who's now 10 okay just working with him talking to him and he's also teaching me a lot of things yeah. okay he learned how to solve a rubik's cube i'm still learning okay <laughs> but once our mind is set in a particular way it's hard yeah. to reset it yeah. right i think i missed those opportunities yeah. and i'm hoping to correct for it yeah. in a limited way moving forward i want to say bye bitcoin <laughs> Bitcoin or whenever Trust Lab IPOs but buy the shares of Trust Lab Google it IPO <laughs> Bitcoin trumps that Bitcoin trumps everything else buy Bitcoin in 2009 Elon Musk will not be happy with that uh, advice <laughs> Yeah but more seriously though um I I'm still not doing it I wish I I I I did it in the past I please do it now is is to read more stuff right because I do feel like uh, whenever I do have time to read some books mm. you mean technical books or not no not technical books right mm. uh, it could be technical too yeah. but uh, whenever I have read something like I mean when again like it's not a question of you you often can give an excuse that we don't have time but you can always make time uh, but whenever I have, I have read books like uh, outside the normal uh, line of work i mean i've always felt like i should be doing more of this but uh, but yeah i i maybe only read like one or two books a year uh, i should probably do a lot more okay. so i actually wish if i could go back in time i took the entrepreneurial uh, plunge earlier earlier um in fact i have told ramesh actually we we talk a lot uh, you know we have exchanged ideas in the past also there was an idea that i had going back in 2009 right Mm. around data management like mm. you know and um, it was um, i I, i don't think i was smart enough to start a company at that time mm. later on the same idea was built and you know there are multi billion dollar companies which have been formed today again no single idea can go build this but definitely i was not ready to go and build anything like that yeah. right yeah. i was simply not mature to go and actually uh build a, build a, you know a, build a company but the thing is i was not you know smart enough to even consider starting a company at that time so uh, you know so i think that is something i if i could go back in time i would do again the uh, the i have the idea of taking something from zero to one right it yeah. continues to inspire me to build things and i hope to do that in future uh, i to me if i retire i actually don't have any other uh, you know uh, you know like uh, uh, hobbies that i can pursue and do forever right there are things that i like which i anyway pursue like 
let's say i want to you know uh, you know let's say i want to watch uh, entertainment or like movies and which i continue to do that doesn't change just because i'm starting a company if i were to stop working i don't know what i will actually do right as mm-hmm. a way so that's why i feel like if i could do one thing that is going 10 years back i would have taken the entrepreneurial plunge at that time actually so sweet so uh looking back um which is one thing i want to change um so i, I was in school uh, i was so focused on math science like i only wanted to study you know the math books and science book i didn't want to study languages or any of the uh, other uh, subjects and so i didn't have the same reading habit that uh, shankar is talking about i hardly hey read any books other than <laughs> other than uh, you know math science and iit and all the subjects that we learned uh, even there of course there's a bias towards oh only read what is needed for you know to for your career what what is needed to get you to the next step right i never paid attention to the broad holistic education or um, i didn't have the habit of reading and stuff mm-hmm. so what I, and this went on for many years right and and after a while i realized that it's not just about career it's not just about there's more to life than like rashik was saying you know spending time more with uh, kids and others so um, so yeah like all the, so now i spent uh, more time reading books i've started developing that habit and and uh, and uh, i can say that because uh, even my kids have maybe uh, developed that habit i i take them to library and they also uh, spend time reading so that was one thing i'm happy i made that change reading books not technical books right overall uh, developing a more broader perspective right? rather than just focusing on just career or uh, the one thing that you do in life so like pravin said after we retire what are we going to do <laughs> maybe we have to find that second career <laughs> like balaji was saying yes yes so uh, i think yeah, if maybe more time uh, in language i didn't learn any art like i didn't go to music class or any of that maybe some of that uh, uh, fortunately i yeah i started doing yoga that self and meditation so uh, more of that so that we have a more broader perspective because more, there's more to life and probably helping some uh, you know uh, community and contributing back any closing thoughts anything you wanted to cover that we haven't covered yet no i think it's a this is a great platform to uh, talk about these ideas so whenever we meet it's all about the immediate things that are going on in our lives and we don't get an opportunity to reflect back on what we've done or what the what our views are so i think it's it's a great uh, way and this podcast really made it happen thank you thank you everyone for being willing to spend your time and tell your story share your advice share your thoughts with everyone thank you thank you thanks thank you thank you i hope you enjoyed that one of a kind episode featuring six indian technologists in the us all of them iit madras or chennai graduates from the same year 1998 coming next week is an episode featuring a woman technologist originally from india who now works in the tech sector in the us She graduated from Bits Pilani in India, not one of the IITs. Recently, she also wrote a book in which she interviewed about 20 famous women technologists in the US. 
We will talk about her immigration journey as well as about themes in the book. Stay tuned for that episode coming next week. All the music used in episodes of the Immigrant Computer Scientist podcast is royalty free. All voice recordings were performed with and are reproduced with full consent of narrators and participants. You can find music credits on our website. Join the online discussion about this podcast on all major social media including Twitter and Facebook with the handle csimmigrant and hashtag csimmigrant. And of course, the episode guide is available at our website csimmigrant.org. This is the Immigrant Computer Scientists podcast. <laughs>